Thanks to the two Johnnies, it's Tuesday the 13th of December. If it's not extremely cold already, I am most certainly not looking forward to Wednesday. But you're listening to Game On, and coming up today, it's Messi versus Modric. Alan Cawley and Mark Langdon will set us up for tonight's World Cup semi-final between Croatia and Argentina. Along with that, we will have Dan Whiffin, fresh from breaking three Irish short course swimming records at the weekend, plus Anne-Marie McLean on the Ireland women's European cross-country heroics in Turin. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet at Game on 2FM. Game on on 2FM. Welcome along. Alan Cawley is with us in studio. Evening, Marie. Evening, Ruby. How are you, Alan? Good and yourself? I'm good, I'm good, thanks. All Stand- excited. Good, I was standing by my ground though. I wrote in the paper the weekend that like, I absolutely hate the cold, give me the rain any day of the week. And two or three people came out to me in Cork that how could I possibly prefer the cold to the rain? I'm telling you, my hands have thawed and frozen three times today in the pain of it. You never get sore in the rain. I just cannot handle it. Did cold you not better. say to me before, Ruby, though, that you can dress appropriately? Did you not for, do you not dress appropriately? I do, but you can dress for the rain. Just put on waterproofs. Do you Simple. Dress for the like. cold as well? No, I'm okay. I much prefer the cold at the rain. I'd be against you on that, oh, Ruby. Jeepers. Actually, I was only thinking of you last week, um, and it's about this topic. It's funny you mention it now. It was the racing um, last Sunday, I think it was, or the weekend before, just obviously the one that's just gone. And I can't remember the race, but it was actually, when I was watching it, it was absolutely belting down. And I was saying, in, in my head, I was thinking, I must ask Ruby, what are the conditions that jockeys or horses hate to ride in? Compares to, like a footballer, we hate the wind. You put up with the rain, greasy pitch, slick the pitch, you have no problem with that. But once it's a dry, windy day, forget about it because the ball is just constantly in the air. Wind, windy, wind is hard as well. Same like a galloping into a headwind. Obviously, it's not ideal. And even for horses breathing, some horses struggle to to breathe on a really windy day. So the rain doesn't tend to bother you. And I suppose, look, I was a jump jockey, so the more it rained, the slower the ground got. Just after the falls were. Yeah, I was thinking that, all right. <laughs> after the fall. <laughs> if my son ever wants to be a sportsman and he comes, and that's the rationale, well, the softer the fall, Dad. I think that's when you have to say, look, hold on a minute, maybe think of something else. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, if you are flying just... it on a horse, though, like there is good, good logic there. Mm. Team News, Alan. We have a huge World Cup semi final, one that not everybody was expecting. Croatia and Argentina kicking off at seven o'clock. Messi not everyone was expecting. Do you think anybody, anybody, would have picked this semi final? I'm sure some people did. Would they have? I'd say they're bluffing. I saw a, a World Cup prediction that um, Samuel Leto did there and he had Morocco in there. So ah, He didn't. He did. Well, he was saying Cameroon could win it as yeah, well. Well, so. he had Morocco in his and it was one that was done beforehand, like typed out and you could see everyone that he'd picked along the way and he had Morocco in his semi-final. So but that's not Croatia and Argentina. Yeah, but Morocco's more surprising than Croatia. Croatia were, were have been there thereabouts in the last, Finals, last, last four, year. And four the, years ago. Euros as well. Croatia were 50-1 to all the same. Yeah, people were probably a bit disrespectful towards Croatia at the start of the tournament. Yeah. Do you I think, think they were offended? No. Well, <laughs> uh, I mean, in terms of, as you said, Marie, what they've done over the last three or four years, they probably had, had the right to be in the conversation yeah. as possible contenders. And people were very ageist as well. And they were probably thinking, Modric is way too old and he won't be able to have the impact that he has had. Like, the expectation wasn't there. I know that there's mm. older players too, but he really has. I'd be uh, phenomenal. Yeah, he's turned That's up. That's generally just journalists, though. The issue I had with them at the start when I looked at them was just they've no centre forward, I mm-hmm. felt. And I think that's been 
a little obviously not in terms of the fact of where they've got but whether they can go on and win it if you think they had Mandzukic and I always felt they were well they were a better team with him you looked at them and I felt had they a Mandzukic in the game against Brazil they would have won in 90 minutes they don't mind you win. if they didn't have the, the goalkeeper they mm. wouldn't have won in 90 minutes the goalie's very good isn't he oh, he was outstanding against Brazil how many times how many saves did he make like 11 that? and the penalties yeah. against Japan the round before outstanding and then obviously the penalty shootout against Brazil as well he's been brilliant to swap the striker for a keeper and funny enough we're all, like you're on about the team news Marie so the two subs who I think are not really up to it in terms of Kramerich and Pasilic not that they're not up to it I just don't think they're at that elite level um, but they start again tonight and he's been chopping and changing with them because if you think of the big lad Petkovic that came on and got the equaliser against Brazil um, he's left on the bench again tonight and he will come on at some point because he's dangerous but he goes with the same team that started against Brazil whereas Argentina have made two changes and interestingly enough Martinez at the back is one of them so it looks like they're going to go with 4-3-3 possibly which will be a bit more attacking than what we've seen against the Dutch I think because they set up with that back five so he drops out and Acuna on the left drops out Tagliafico comes into the team and Paredes comes in in the midfield as well so it looks like they're going to match up with a 4-3-3 because Croatia's strongest part of the team is that midfield three they're outstanding and because all the focus is on Modric a lot of um I think they get overlooked a little bit Kovacic and Brozovic they're absolutely outstanding as well and those three together are are probably as good as you'll get in the tournament so it looks like he's going to match up with the Paul and Paredes and probably McAllister sitting in front of them as the more attacking one just playing behind uh, Messi and Alvarez Is that the best way to to try and combat their influences just to match up with them? Match up yeah, yeah. I think so Marie yeah because um, they're so influential they have so much of the ball they dictate everything obviously Modric is the main man but Brozovic as well you shouldn't like he's playing at a serious high level in Serie A with Inter Milan as well Kovacic we see weekly with Chelsea but the three of them combined are so so good and for all the heart and determination that Croatia have and how good they've been sometimes it gets overlooked how good they are technically for large periods against Brazil they passed them off the pitch they had so much of the ball they're so comfortable in possession and sometimes people think if you have that rear guard action where you're defending constantly and then you're almost booming it up the pitch and, and you're waiting for a set piece they actually when they win it back they hold on to the ball for 10, 12, 15 passes uh, and keep the ball so well so I think that's the best way is to match up against them and certainly the Paul and Paredes the Paul more so I think he's been better Paredes got dropped after the first game against Saudi Arabia so he's played a bit part since I think he has something to prove tonight but he is a good player Paredes playing with Juventus tonight uh, at the moment he was with PSG but I think that is probably the best way to try and combat the match up against them I would have thought the same as Marie, and I was delighted she asked the question. But I would have assumed four four two or four five one. Crowd that uh, Croatian trio would have been the way of nullifying them. Yeah, and and there is a couple of ways, Ruby. It doesn't have to be, but I think what he's gone with tonight is he's dropped obviously Martinez out of that back three, so it looks like Otamendi or Romero plays the the centre back partnership, and I definitely think you'll have the three the ones I mentioned the Paul and Paredes and McAllister ahead of them um, they don't have great wit in the team at the moment and you're looking for the wit to come from Molina who scored against the Dutch and he was brilliant to full back and Tagliafico is probably a better attacker than Acuna so maybe that's where they're looking their wit to come from and that can make it a 5 in the middle then or a 4 if you like because McAllister looks like he'll play off Messi and Alvarez but I just think you just have to nullify Modric Brozovic won't go beyond you he'll dictate the play from a deeper role so he'll be the one starting the attacks picking it up off the back four so you'll have McAllister who'll be the highest one of the Argentinians will sit on him um, 
when he's out of possession and try and stop him getting on the ball but the other two DePaul and Paredes are more defence minded than McAllister so they will try and stop Kovacic and Modric and I wouldn't be surprised to see one of them just sit on Modric he's that influential he's that good I'm not I don't mean in a man marking capacity I don't think you can just uh, sacrifice a player just to say man mark him but I definitely think out of possession they will just sit on Modric and try and nullify him as much as possible Okay, well, I'm delighted to say now that we are joined by Philip Mihailovic from Croatia and for any League of Ireland fans will be very familiar with him from his stint at Finn Harps. Philip, you're so very welcome. How are you? I'm basically glad all of you guys up there. Oh, thanks so much for taking our call. Um, over here in Ireland, we've been so fascinated with Croatia and their journey and we've been looking at them and looking at ourselves and thinking about what could possibly be in the future. But for you guys, what's it like right now in the middle of a, of a World Cup when your team are doing so well? Yeah, as you know, like, we are such small country similar to Ireland, like around 4 million people approximately, but uh, we are so proud, humble nation, like... <coughs> Our past history taught us to be strong and have the fight like and uh, it's mean it's it's such a great achievement uh, in the bounce like uh, in the four years we did it uh, again to to pass to the semi-finals again it's uh, all of uh, that strong team it's, it's uh, such a huge achievement for us and they are all proud for sure it's uh, it's been a brilliant journey, and we've been admiring the team and, and their technical ability. But the one name that everybody's talking about is, of course, Luka Modric, 37 years of age, and controlling um, controlling the middle of the field, and, and just been such a leader for his team. Um, for you, what's it like watching him, and how much of a hero is he over there? Uh, he's he's such a hero for all of us, not only in Croatia, like. Uh, what he did with Real Madrid as well. So the guy with 37 years old doing these great achievements and play game by game all the time. It's, it's I don't know, no, like no word that I can describe it now. Yeah, he's, he's been brilliant and great to watch. And so many people want him to do well, but a lot of people want Messi to do well also. How do you think the game's going to go, Philip? Well, I'm an optimist as always. Uh, in my life always like nothing but positivity for me so hopefully we're gonna pass through them I know like uh, Leo Messi is the greatest player ever played this sport but uh, I hope our midfield trio with uh, Modric, Kovacic and Brozovic uh, they will do but they will cover him well and uh, like I said I'm optimist tonight and hopefully we're gonna pass through them like <laughs> it must be uh, it must be good fun over there right now. Good It must be a lot of fun right now building up towards this. Lots of celebrations. Uh, no matter what, like uh, no matter they win or lose, regardless they win or lose tonight, they'll be like heroes and uh, they'll be welcome there, like more than hundred uh, thousand people with uh, welcome there on the airport and on the squares. So like uh, they already did. Uh, huge, huge achievement for Croatia. And where would you be watching? At home, of course. Oh, very good. Um, well, Philip, enjoy it. And uh, it was great to, to chat to you. And hopefully we'll be talking to you again very, very soon. Um, I'm not going to say who we're going for. We do have a lot of Messi fans in the studio, but I don't think any would be unhappy, though, if Modric went on and did it yeah. as well. Talk to you soon, Philip. Yeah. Thank you.
Okay, thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Philip. Uh, former uh, Finn Harps player as well. I'd say it's uh, a lot warmer in Croatia now than it is in, in Donegal, that's for sure. <laughs> um, right, Mark Langton is also with us on the line. Uh, Mark, how are things? Yeah, yeah, I'm very <laughs> excited about the, the World Cup semi-finals. I think it's been a, a great tournament so far on, on the pitch. And, um, you know, we, we've got two really interesting um, semi-finals. I always like it when there's, you know, some, some backstories as well as some great teams. I think you've got, you know, in Argentina and France, two of the best teams around. And Croatia and Morocco bring that, that kind of hope, I think, for everybody that, um, you know, you, you, no matter how kind of, uh, you know, you, you don't have to be um, a big nation or you don't need to be an established nation to, to have a run at a World Cup. So, no, I'm, I'm really excited about these semi-finals. Do they, Aldo? Do they give hope to other countries? Because I'm not looking at Croatia and Morocco going, that could be us. Well, <laughs> it's funny. I was going to ask Philip... Um, and, and it's probably for a wider discussion and debate because he spent a bit of time yeah. here and he would have been around, obviously, and hearing the stories and the narrative with the GA and, and could we do better and what do we have to improve and the FEI and grassroots and all these debates and conversations that we have. But for a country as small as them, and that's what's broken out, that debate that mm-hmm. you see the population they have, why can't we do it? And I suppose that is a question. And, and, and it, it, Daniel MacDonald wrote a really good piece in the Indo today about that and the fact that we often look and go, well, we have people playing GA and mm. we have people playing um, elite rugby, but he broke down the sports that they play and they export a huge amount of uh, players to, to handball, but also to the NBA as well. And then they win a lot of medals at um, in Olympic sports. Mm. Like they had a boxer in the, in the last Olympics that won a bronze. So um, it's not a unique situation to us that we have that, that, that we have a sport that a lot of people play it's the same for them as well and he just said that they make the best out of what they have yeah, yeah. which I don't think we do because I think it's too simplistic to say oh well if we stop playing Gaelic and rugby and concentrated on football we'd be getting the semi-finals and world. it's far too simplistic because mm-hmm. as you said they play plenty of other sports over there as well and, and they do make the best of what they do I just think it's a culture thing in terms of their technical ability as well because mm-hmm. we even went back to when we played Hajduk Split years ago and the mindset of them players and, and the technical aspect of what yeah. they were doing and their academies yeah and people think as well in terms of you look at Croatia and I mentioned it even uh, earlier on we were chatting that it's built on their heart determination and, and it is a lot of it but people overlook the technical side mm-hmm. of the game they're amazing on the ball as well in terms of how well they keep it you don't get to this level you don't don't be on the verge of getting to two World Cup finals unless you're very, very good technically, regardless of the size of your country. I was just thinking about that, though, like about different people playing different sports. But people mostly will get drawn to the sport they're best at, don't they? You would think so. I would have thought so. I think I think there's a lot of things coming to play. I think where you live as well comes into it because it depends what you're local to. So, I mean, if you're living in a, in a parish like um, David Clifford, like the chances are, even though he was really good at soccer, mm. like he's from Kerry, it's th- their their religion is GAA. So I think the geography does come into it. I mean, in Dublin, it's probably a little bit different because there is everything. But on I still your doorstep. think I still They're think one five six All Irelands in a row. Mm. I still think with Clifford, if he didn't want to be playing for Kerry, he wouldn't be Marie. I still think it's ingrained in him and he, yeah, he's, yeah. Do, he's, oh, doing, yeah. he's doing what he wants to do regardless of the parish stuff and all that kind of because um, he apparently was really good yeah. at soccer as well and I'm sure, if he wa- I'm sure if he wanted to pursue that he could have but um, it is it's probably it's a, it's a good discussion to have or a debate around I'd love to hear his view on it mm-hmm. uh, David because he'd be a good example people think oh well if we had the likes of David Clifford concentrating on soccer he could have been we like I don't know like there, it, it's it's 
you know, we're not going to fix it here in a 10 minute conversation but and I do, I do think like I've often I've seen a lot of tweets over the weekend in Croatia and it is too simplistic to say oh well if we didn't concentrate on Gaelic we, we'd be great at soccer we have major problems over the years at soccer and it goes back to in terms of the, the, the technical aspect. our talent and getting someone else to join yeah, and the mentality and all and the culture and the way we were brought up and playing and it got us sporadic success in terms of getting to Italia 90 mm. and US but, but we're, we're never anywhere close to doing anything better than that like you got to play that that game, keep the ball, pass it around. <laughs> I actually, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the possession stats. Uh, the possession, stats the possession game. <laughs> so we'll see how, you argue, how your argument uh, great, plays it's out. Great, it's, great, it's great to watch, Alan. We're making great strides. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, uh, sorry, we have uh, we have went in a different direction there. We, were, we started off talking about uh, Croatia and Argentina and then started talking about grassroots GAA and, and soccer for a while. But we do have a, a brilliant match to, to come at 7 o'clock. Well, we hope it's going to be anyway. Um, lots of people People hoping that Modric will do it then there's the the Messi fans as well um, I saw a great line by Gary Neville today uh, talking about Argentina and their antics in the um, the game against the Netherlands and he said that among the beasts is a beauty and that's Messi and just that there was all what was going on all around him and, and all of the yellow cards and all the rest but he was still playing that beautiful game and I thought it was a great line Mark It was I mean the, you know, the, the first goal um, you know, Messi doesn't score it, but the way that he creates it with the pass, there's there's not many people at that World Cup that would see the pass and if they could see it, be able to you know deliver it um, just so that the onrushing fullback you know just could, could could just move straight onto it onto his favoured foot. It was um, it, it looks simple, but um, it, it's it's definitely not. And I mean, I mean, I think the Argentina overall are getting too emotional within their games and that is part of the way that they play of course and I, I, it feels like a very South American thing that, you know to, to to wear their heart on the sleeve so much but I think that they, they, they lose track of the game sometimes by um, you know messing around and doing the other things they don't need to do that they've got Messi I think they should just concentrate on, on the football I mean there was occasions against Argentina when they were 2-0 up and they were cruising and when it went to 2-1 there was totally Total panic. There was total panic when Saudi Arabia equalised against them, and then obviously Netherlands managed to get it back to two-two. And I think another referee would have sent off Paredes for um, you know there was a yellow card foul, and then blasting the ball into the opposition dugout could it could easily have been a red card on its own, and um, you know definitely was worthy of two yellow cards because they were separate incidents. So I think they need to keep their heads really because Croatia are unlikely to fall for for any of those kind of tactics uh, you know I, I, Dumfries the Dutch right wing back he got caught up in it and gave away the penalty I think he was upset um, someone had trod on his Achilles in the first half and he, he was kind of rampaging around Croatia will just accept that that's part of the game probably do a little bit of it back as well and you know they're so experienced I don't expect them to lose their heads in, in a similar um, fashion they're so patient I, I think it's a really intriguing game but from Argentina's point of view just give the ball to Messi and you know don't worry about some, the, the, the other things that are I, I think hindering more than helping them Mark when you look at the what who, who both teams have beaten so far in the World Cup I mean, Croatia have only actually beaten Canada, but they've drawn with Morocco, drawn with Belgium, drawn with Brazil and drawn with Japan. Argentina, lost to Saudi Arabia, beat Mexico, beat Poland, beat Australia, drew with the Dutch. Form-wise, who has the stronger form? 
Yeah, I, it's hard to say, really. I mean, I think you'd rather, in terms of that, I mean, I think Croatia's is probably um, sort of using kind of horse racing, sort of you know, that, that, that sort of literal form there. You would say that Croatia, because, you know, they managed to knock out the tournament favourites in Brazil. Um, they did only have one shot on target, and that was the uh, you know equalised very late on. But thought they were well in the game against Brazil. You know that draw against Morocco didn't look a great result a, a few weeks ago. Now you're seeing Morocco um, in the semi-finals as well. Um, you know they they did hammer. Um, uh, Canada you then think well you know Japan a draw with Japan again a few weeks ago wouldn't have looked a great result but Japan beat Germany and Spain uh, and I think the Croatian coach Dalic was talking about that saying um, you know, before the Brazil game that hold on a minute that result against Japan is better than what people think and, and the fact that it was a tough game against them it wasn't a surprise to him and shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody else given what they'd already done in the tournament so I think from that point of view you would have to say that um, it, it's definitely Croatia have got sort of the form in the book. What against that is that Argentina have only lost one of their last 41 uh, matches, and that was obviously that shock result against Saudi Arabia. But um, if you wanted to pick holes in it, you could say, well, scrape past Netherlands, scrape past Australia. You know, Poland weren't very good, and nor were Mexico. So I think if, if if you were just taking the form at this World Cup, I think you'd go for Croatia. But it's probably too simplistic a view um, to, to sort of say that that means that you know that they've got a great chance tonight yeah buying my farm Terry Allen no <laughs> trust you to come up with that farm Terry Ruby it sounds like a horse winning in Sedgefield and then taunting and going on to win a gold cup or something <laughs> but um, yeah I'm just it's very very hard to call Ruby it really is because I've been under underwhelmed with Argentina throughout the whole tournament and I mentioned that a couple of times here throughout a couple of weeks when we've had the chats um, but to have Messi and obviously he's been absolutely amazing and fantastic I like the fact when you look at the lineup tonight that they are going with four at the back I don't like them seeing them playing with the five um, I do like the fact that they've an extra man in midfield and you would hope to see more attack and intent and approach from them than maybe what we saw against the Netherlands and it's a bit more support to Messi in terms of McAllister you'd like to think he'd be the one feeding them the ball uh, or vice versa because Paredes and De Paul, even though as I said they're more defence orientated they're decent on the ball as well they should be able to get plenty of ball into Messi or into to McAllister's feet so you'd like to see uh, a bit more attack and intent from them but I'm a big fan of Croatia as well because as I said the three that they have in midfield are outstanding and it's very very hard to call I don't think there's a real standout amongst the two teams I think they're just two very very good teams and even like you're you're speaking there in terms of the racing parlance the bookies have it at I think three or four to one Croatia and, and even money Argentina I wouldn't have had it as wide, wide as that now I think they're a lot closer probably the only thing that separates the two well and I know of Modric, but Messi separates mm -hmm. the two of them and he's the big difference. Yeah, it, it'll just be interesting to see what they, they do with him. As you said, Al, if they do go and man mark him. Um, mark, Croatia haven't won a World Cup knockout game in 90 minutes since 1998. Do they play for penalties? Is that what we're looking at? <laughs> I don't. I don't think they they necessarily play for penalties because I don't see them as a a boring team. But what they, well, the biggest problem is as Alan was saying that they haven't got a messy type. Uh, they haven't even got anybody you know even a quarter as good as that in in the final third. So you know it's hard for them to score goals. Kramaric is you know a, a 
fairly bog standard Bundesliga player. He, you know, he he does okay. Pasalic is, is who plays on the right isn't a, a goal scorer. He's more of a midfielder. Perisic plays as a left wing back. Um, you know, it, for, in his club career, so goals are going to be a problem. Even those midfielders, as talented as they are, Kovacic, Modric, and Brozovic, goal scoring is not their forte they are either. So they haven't really got sort of anybody they can hang their hat on to score goals and you look at Argentina they've got Lautaro Martinez on the bench and you know uh, Dybala who we've barely seen on, on the bench what Croatia would do for somebody like that so that's why they struggle to win matches but they're also a very difficult team to beat because of their heart because of their determination and spirit and because of how good their midfield is that they just always control games and so um, they can easily take three and four minutes out of the clock just by passing it amongst them three um, so it, it doesn't surprise me really that they draw a lot of matches because their possession is so good they don't concede many goals but obviously they've got that problem just in, in the penalty box really where they haven't got um, that, that even sort of you know an established you don't have to have a Lewandowski or a Kane but they've not even got sort of a level below that really that they, they, they do struggle and so, so they have to work harder than most teams for their, for their goals Alan, if it does go to penalties, would you bet against Croatia? No, because they've gone through two already, Marie. Um, so they would definitely be the favourites, I think, in that scenario. And the goalkeeper's been outstanding in mm. both of those shootouts. He's been outstanding in the tournament. I think two players, we probably, and three, I'd even add in a third, that we haven't mentioned, and a lot of the focus for Croatia is on those three in midfield, and rightly so. But their standout player for me in the tournament, Bar Modric, has been Vardy all at the back. Uh, young centre half absolutely outstanding in the tournament and Lovren who gets a lot of bad press and uh, obviously from his time at Liverpool and he had plenty of things to say for himself and um, he might ha- might be a little bit gobby uh, in interviews but he's been brilliant in the tournament mm-hmm. he has been really really good and Juranovic I thought was brilliant as well against Brazil up and down that line Celtic full back so uh, they're three players that are very very good for them as well as I said I think they're a very very good team just not a br- not a great team and if they were a great team with a centre forward I'd argue they'd be favourites tonight, Marie. I really would because I've been so underwhelmed with Argentina throughout the whole tournament. But the great man has got them to the point where they're at. Um, and can he just, like, when you think, and I was thinking about this over the weekend, for all the years that we've lauded Messi, and rightly so, and I love him, absolutely love him, and Ronaldo for the bits that he's done. Imagine bowing out with two games to go and that would be the end to his career, Messi. How fitting would that be for a player that has bringing so much joy to everybody's lives for 20 years, <laughs> scoring, all the, scoring all the goals and doing everything that he's done. It, it almost feels like it's just written for him and, and call me whatever you want for thinking that. I want that to be the ending. And as I said, it's very, very hard to call between the two teams, but I just want to see Messi lift the trophy so much. I know you nearly brought Darren Frell and Stephen Elliott to tears on Sunday talking about <laughs> Messi and you were quite romantic and, uh, and adoring to him but it's probably not going to have the same effect on myself and Marie here um, but I still can go back to the fact that Croatia have conceded three goals in this tournament Argentina have conceded five I, I think they're way overpriced Alan well, and that's the point I'm making, Ruby. I said that earlier uh, when I lo- saw the price. I just can't see that differentiation between the two teams because they're a lot more evenly matched than that. And for the reasons that you've just given in terms of the stats with the goals and how, how less they've conceded. And defensively, they're very, very good. The two I mentioned, Vardio, Lovren, the goalkeeper, um, it's a lot closer than what the bookmakers are making out, in my view. The only thing, as I said, I can come to the conclusion in terms of why it's maybe that big is because of Messi. But... 
if they can keep him quiet and as I say with the three sitting in front of that back four who were very very disciplined in, term of, in terms of their defensive duties as well as how good to keep the ball they could keep him quiet but he's just thought he's come up with the moments in every game so far and I'd love to think he'll come up with the moment again tonight what about um, Mark? What about the the legs of the midfield trio? Because we did see them coming off um, against Japan. They were, they didn't go the whole hundred and twenty minutes. Is there a worry about that? <laughs> um, you're speaking to uh, an English person who, in 2018, just about everybody in England said Croatia are tired ahead of that <laughs> World Cup semi-final, and um, in extra time they were the ones out running um, England. I know they're a few years older. It's a World Cup semi-final. I, I, I don't see them. I don't see them being that tired. No, um, you know, I Modric. I know he's thirty-seven, but he was getting stronger as that game went on mm-hmm. a, against Brazil. That he wasn't um, one of those that that was um, flagging, and that, that you know, it was a difficult game. Of course, emotionally, it will take a lot out of them to have won that quarter-final. But I, I just, I, I. I I struggle to think of a team that's reached a World Cup semi-final and then being too exhausted to sort of, you know, play their best at that stage. I think, you know, you you are running on adrenaline. There's, you know, there's only one more game to go after that. They 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 can break, you know, in terms of like Spanish football. You, you've got a bit longer off than than what you would have for the Premier League. I I I just seem giving absolutely everything. He's somebody that, if you know, from a professional point of view, the way that he's lived his life, um, you know, he he's somebody that although he's 37. Yeah, has not abused his body um, like like maybe some have, and he's able to 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 just keep going. So no, I mean maybe if Argentina get a couple of goals up, then you know it, you kind of break the hearts of the Croatian players. But I mean you'd have to go some to get two up on on this Croatia team, and as long as they're in the game, I, I just don't see them falling flat. It's just it's just not in their nature. They're they're, they're too strong um, to to do that. So um, I I can see the reason why people think that that they'll maybe be flagging but I just don't there's been no evidence of that in my opinion Adam because they keep the ball so well does that help save a little bit of energy making yeah. the ball move the ball is the fastest thing on the pitch yeah absolutely and, and Mark made the point a couple of moments ago and he's right about how they can dictate in terms of just taking the sting out of play and holding on to the ball for two three four minutes at a time and that does completely take the sting out of of maybe a Brazil attack or an Argentinian attack if it's that's the case tonight and they're brilliant at that um, and Brozovic as well as game management is absolutely outstanding they know when to inject a bit of pace into an attack uh, Modric the same and they also know how to just slow the game down and that will be evident tonight as well because we are into the latter stages now in terms of the games they've played the extra time you will see lulls throughout the game but I definitely think in terms of the likes of a Messi inject a bit of pace they know exactly uh, when to do that and, and, and that's why they're at the level that they're at Ruby and they probably even though for the amount of energy they've expended you're right to say they've probably saved a fair bit as well and I would agree with Mark it's the semi-final of World Cup no matter how tired you are you'd play on one leg to play in a World Cup semi-final for your country so uh, I don't think that'll be the case for any of them tonight Mark Collett I think it's closer than everybody thinks but I'd probably still edge towards Argentina maybe an extra time with that extra firepower that they've they've got on on the bench Al? Yeah my heart is totally ruling my head because I want to see Messi win it so much and it is a lot closer than what people think. I think I have huge respect for Croatia and love Modric as well. And I think they've been brilliant. But I want to see Argentina win. 
All right, well, I'm happy enough if we get a really good game of football and go all the way to extra time. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me, Marie. <laughs> well, I think you're going to be going for... Go on, Ruby. ...for Croatia, isn't you? I think Croatia will win, yeah. Really, yeah? OK. Yeah. yeah, it's not a surprise for people to think. Croatia are brilliant. Yep. OK, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Mark and Alan, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back shortly. We have athletics and swimming to chat about. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back. While the rest of us were sitting inside looking out at the snow and ice over the weekend, Daniel Whiffen was enjoying a prolific weekend at the Scottish Short Course Championships, smashing three Irish records. And he joins us now on the line. Daniel, how are you? Good. How are you? Thanks so much for joining us. Um, It was a brilliant weekend for you um, with those records. Just tell us a little bit about uh, what the plan was heading into it and if you were expecting to, to be so successful there. Uh, yeah, I guess the plan was to go in and uh, break some records and um, I guess I didn't really expect myself to be uh, that fast, so it was quite a surprise. So how, you, sorry, on, Marie, Marie. Go, no, go on, Marie. How did you put that, that plan in place? Did you feel like you were in really good form heading into it or had you done some maybe a block of training where you were targeting this? Um, so I knew that I'd be on form and I knew that uh, through my training anyway, I'd been up in high-altitude training at like 2,300 metres and then going into the week before I've been pushing some pretty fast times so uh, I can say that I, it was kind of expected but it was still pretty much of a shock Expected is one thing but like to swim the fastest 1,500 metres freestyle in the world this year that that's a good shock to get <laughs> uh, Yeah I mean I said to my coach before I in, in for the race I was like oh, I'm, I'm going to go for the world record here and um, I mean, to come out with, I got like an 18 second personal best and then um, seven seconds off the world record. I mean, I was pretty happy. Yeah. Did you say the same to your identical twin, Nathan? Uh, yeah, I think he knew anyway. <laughs> kind of telepathic. You know? Are you really? Are you, are you like, would you have a very good understanding of what you're going to do heading into a race or do you sit down and talk about it? Uh, like, we'd sit down and talk about it, but um, yeah, I kind of know. We kind of know what we're doing. I don't know what you're doing. Before you swam the 1500 metres, you'd already swam in the 800 metres. Was that just the warm up, was it? Uh, no, I swam some the 400 IM. IM. Uh, Sorry, I have to read my own notes here a bit better. And that's another question. Sorry. So you swim the IM, which is every stroke uh, freestyle, backstroke, breaststroke, butterfly. But how come you'd only swim the freestyle then in the sing- singular events? Um, so I'm actually like. Not very good at um, the, all all the strokes. I just have like a a good freestyle. So I guess my freestyle was uh, kind of what pulled me on to getting the record. And I'm like mainly a freestyler. I am just a bit of fun. Fun butterfly. <laughs> fun. <laughs> Ruby's daughters are swimming now, so he, he's a fair idea of uh, what what it takes to. To, to get to a good level at swimming? No, I don't. I, I just watch my daughters. I have no idea what's involved <laughs> with, with any of this. All I know is that it's an incredible commitment. And, Daniel, what time in the morning do you get in the pool? Uh, well, actually, I get off a bit later now, so I'm getting in at, I'm probably getting up at 5.45, swimming <laughs> at 6.45. That's later. Yeah, yeah, I used to get up at half four. So, so uh, tell us a little bit, right? So I, uh, you have an identical twin. So was it growing up you decided... You were just wanted to be swimmers. You were good at swimmers. Your parents obviously encouraged you. How did you get to to this stage, and and what was the commitment like? Uh, so started swimming because my older brother was uh, just joined in with part of like school, 
and then my parents thought we should try it out and then I guess we enjoyed it so much that we just kept going for over 12 years and then uh, um, yeah I guess just we loved it so much that we just continued it must have been good many, though uh, sorry go on how many, yeah. of course they're good <laughs> how many hours a day do you swim? Uh, like I'd say the minimum would we be we do two hour two two hour sessions a day but we could swim for longer like maybe five hours a day at the most that's over a day and a half a week in a pool <laughs> good <luck. laughs> It's incredible commitment. I, I, I just watch it and I, say, I see what the swim teams around and I see the galas at the knack and how efficiently they run. It is incredible to go and watch how many um, children they can get through in one gala in an afternoon. I mean, it is clockwork. But the commitment, the commitment from club members, commitment from, from parents, I'm not talking about me, not my, my wife, but the commitment from clubs. Daniel, it's incredible how much goes into swimming. Yeah. I mean, I I guess you got to thank your parents a lot because, especially mine, were driving me at half four in the morning to training. Uh, I don't, I don't, you don't really see it in many sports. So I guess someone has got quite a big commitment, um, especially for parents. And then in clubs alone, putting on the, the training time, and then getting the coaches in, coaching at, the, at that early in the morning is, I guess, very hard. So in that 1,500-metre uh, freestyle, Nathan became only the second Irishman to break the 15-minute barrier in the 1,500-metre in a time of 14.57.50. So are you guys really competitive with each other? So we actually never used to do the same event, but uh, my parents always separ- separated us because of, um, you know, we didn't have arguments or whatever. And then... Um, <laughs> But then he decided he wants to start doing the same event as me. So now uh, I guess it is getting a bit more competitive and people saying he's catching me or whatever. So maybe we'll see next year. <laughs> we'll be very close and it'll be a one-two for the Whiffins on a podium. Does that frighten you that he might catch up with Jenga by you? <laughs> doesn't, I, don't, I guess it doesn't frighten me. I, I guess it kind of excites me because I'm, I'm not going to let my brother beat me. <laughs> I thought I would have thought if anyone was going to beat you, you wouldn't mind if it was your brother. It sounds like the opposite. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, I think I'd probably take it quite harshly if he beat me, but you know, no, he could. So I better keep training harder. There was a reason they were doing opposite sports for for opposite events for a long time. Their parents knew this wasn't going to be a good match. I'd say this was exceptionally good parenting. Yeah, because I was thinking, wouldn't it be handy? Because you just have them in the same thing. You'd only have to watch one. But obviously, there was other reasons. Um, Daniel. You're, it's actually great. You have a website and it's brilliant for, for looking at, at information and finding out about you. So you're an actor as well? Uh, yes, I've done a bit, yeah. Anything we would have seen you in or what's the what way have you, what kind of a path uh, have you followed? Have you heard of Game of Thrones? Uh, yeah, might have heard of that a bit, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did a bit of Game of Thrones when I was younger. I'm actually going back to the studios um, over Christmas. I got invited back, uh, which is pretty cool. Oh, very good. And uh, does Nathan act as well, or is it just you? Oh yeah, we did the same. So when we were younger, um, like in acting, they use twins as, so they can get like because uh, children can only work for a certain amount of hours. So they use identical twins to get more like filming hours. So we did it together. We played the same part. Handy. <laughs> do, you have, do you have to split the money with them then, or do you get double time? I I don't know how. To, well, we got the same amount, but I guess uh, maybe they did split it. 
I feel like Ruby that yourself and myself are learning a lot from this interview now. We, we are. We're just asking <laughs> random questions. I'm, I'm yeah. feeling sorry for Daniel here. Daniel, obviously it is short course season. It's short, short yeah. course season. Long course season will come in. What are your aims for into the into the spring, into next summer? So uh, we're heading into. Um, we've got a world champs in the summer in Japan. So I'd like to try be the first ever Irishman to get a medal at a world long course. And just one other thing for me, Daniel. You'd said that you're swimming at altitude uh, for training. It's mostly when I hear of altitude, I think of athletics. Where were you, and what kind of things do you do? Uh, so we're up the mountains in Spain, just outside Granada, called Sierra Nevada. Um, and um, basically, the, it's the, I mean, it's the highest 50 meter pool in the world. So um, you, you, all you do is you go up there, you stay in a hotel, you swim, you eat, and then you sleep. That's what we did. <laughs> so it's a full-on training camp. Yeah, it's just a training camp, but um, high, but very high. I'd imagine as well. There's just given the the way um, sports science has developed. There's probably a bit of gym work and, and running and all that goes into swim training too. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of gym work. I don't know that much running, but um, yeah, we I'm gymming three. Like, I do like an essence strength and condition session three times a week, and then I have like core sessions uh, twice a week on a circuit. Sounds, Sounds like, like you're busy. great fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Daniel, thank you so much. Um, lovely to chat to you. And as I said, myself and Ruby have learned an awful lot from this interview, so it's great. Uh, Ruby will be going home now telling his daughters he was chatting to uh, to a record holder and no doubt be inspiring them as well. Uh, and they're so, not doing enough swimming. That's what they're going to get now. Yeah, and they'll be, be, be doing a bit of uh, S&C as well. Um, any interest in the football, Daniel? Uh, I've watched a bit. Uh, I'm kind of I don't know I've kind of fallen away from it now but uh, I think I'll start again yeah well there's a big one tonight anyway Croatia and Argentina if you're looking for something to watch uh, we'll talk to you again soon thanks so much Daniel thank you Game On on 2FM Welcome back. It's now time to turn our attention to athletics and I'm delighted to say that Anne-Marie McGlynn joins us on the line fresh from the Irish women's team uh, heroics in Turin over the weekend. Anne-Marie, how are you? I'm not going to say I'm fresh now because I feel like I'm coming down with a flu or something in my throat and yeah, I'm a bit of a sore throat. So You definitely don't sound fresh, Anne-Marie. No, I don't. <laughs> Funnily enough, Marino, that's a bit cheeky. I mean, if you didn't get home, landed up in the airport till 3am and then had to get dropped in Strabane at 6.30am and then go in the schoolroom, you'd be sounding pretty wrecked yourself now. Absolutely. Um, Anne-Marie, it was a great weekend though and what capped it off I'd say was the fact that nobody expected you to do so well and then you went out and pretty much blew everybody away in terms of expectation Yeah like 100% I think you know when the when the entry list came out I did have a wee look and I optimistically was like probably six like on a good day just you know because you know you have to be realistic at the end of the day and um, <clears throat> but when when actually Eilish was brought in then you know it's like buy one get one free with Roisin and Eilish. Like they 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 track each other so closely that if one's going to be in the top ten, the other's not going to be far away. And I kind of thought, well, they by talking to them, they were you know looking for like high in the from top ten and maybe the lower teams. So you know that's going to get close to a medal if we can back them. So you know we did have a chat like and. We all knew what the plan was, whose plan, what plans were. Michelle, unfortunately, had been sick. So, you know, she wasn't feeling 100%, but she still towed the line and, 
and we ran and she ran as a team. So and that was great. But yeah, the girls were always going to commit <coughs> early. <coughs> Excuse me, and and the rest of us were going to just try and stick to our race plan and and pack well. So. And I think that's what happened. And yeah, well, we I suppose the rest of us started off a little bit slower and made our way up. But <clears throat> when I think it was the second last lap when Jeff Whiteman was saying, oh God, <clears throat> that we were in contention. And, you know, I wasn't surprised, but I knew I, I was the fourth scorer at the time, the fourth person. And I was roaring at Mary to keep pushing up the hill as I was pushing up the hill because <laughs> I knew she had the girls in front of her and I could keep off the ones behind me. But And the day before, we did have a bit of a laugh when we were doing the course and I had said to them, you know, the last time on that hill is really, it's going to change a lot. Like there's going to be bodies falling. And <clears throat> I said, whatever money, I always say, keep a bit of change in your pocket. And I said, whatever change you have in your pocket, spend it in that house the last time we run through it because we need to be like emptied crossing the line and I'm telling you Mary Mulhair went through that house and <laughs> I think she took two or three girls I was like oh, she literally took it literal like she went <laughs> so yeah it was great that hill that you mentioned it looked impossible <coughs> to get up it but you were able to do it what was it like you had no choice <laughs> <laughs> where yeah, you now did drop all right around around yeah. it <laughs> You know, on the day before, we picked a line that we were going to try and run. And every lap, I ran a different line. Like, it was just, it was horrendous. Mm. But the downhill was harder. Like, you you know, you can be dogged. And Irish, the Irish athletes are quite dogged. You know, we don't lie down too easily. So that didn't really fear us. It was just like, you just had to stay focused. I think that was the type of course. You had to stay on it, stay focused. And you had to, like, not switch off because the minute you switch off you just lose a couple of places and it was crazy because in the warm-up area the under 20 girls had come back and we were in the warm-up area and um uh, i think jane buckley came in and everyone's congratulating them all and i just said to her well done and how did you find it and i was never as glad to ask her because she said on the last lap she felt like she just took her foot off the pedal a wee bit and she was in contention for a medal and she just said when she did take her foot off a bit, she took a wee a bad step or a wrong step and she lost a bit of momentum. And I had said to the girls in the warm-up exactly what Jane had said. So we kind of were, we knew that we had to like keep the foot down as much as we could. But, and it was mad because like Jane is only young, like, and mm -hmm. to be able to analyze that race, the minute she came off, I was like more mesmerized by that. Never mind what she said, but you know, it, yeah, it was a great day for Irish athletics. And Marie, I know you're talking about tactics and, and keeping the pressure on and staying within that rhythm and keeping the focus, but that takes a lot of mental toughness too. When you're burning from yeah. the inside out, that concentration, that that yeah. desire, you all, yeah, all had to want it. Yeah, and I think that's the hard, like the course, the course, the terrain, and the how technically tough it was. But honestly, it was mind over matter of a lot of it. Like you just had to stay mentally tough. But I think. You know, like the senior women people are saying, oh, no, I don't think they're in for a medal. You can't discount the senior women. Like 11 European <clears> championships <throat> and we've took away a team medal five times. I've been on two. I think Michelle has been on two. Mary Mulher has been on two. Um, Ava has been on two. So, and the under 23, Ailish and Roisin have took medals in under 23. So, yeah, like, you know, there was, you know, there was a little chance. So... <laughs> 
And Marie, you, we mentioned that you're doing the, the school run there. How do you fit yeah. it all in? Yeah, again, mind over matter. <laughs> um, you just have to, again, you have to get up the hill. You have to take them to school. So, yeah, like I really couldn't. I was like dreading the flight being cancelled because Lexi mm-hmm. had Christmas exams and she wanted her mummy home to send her on. And, you know, like Rob, I just watched the athletics earlier today again, watched it back. And Rob is right. Like, you know, we can get caught up in it. Like we go out there and train hard to race. But at the end of the day, like we come home to our family, you know, whether I brought home a medal or not, like I had them, conv- I said to them, like, I'm not going to be bringing home a medal now, kids, in case they were waiting for this big plane <laughs> to come through the door. <laughs> and then they were like, I thought you said you were getting a medal. I was like, oh, I know, change of words. <laughs> and Rob was right, like, yeah, you have to be like focused and positive, but you know, you, you have to be a bit loose as well. And you have to like, you know, have a bit of fun there as well because a happy athlete is a good athlete at the end of the day so you know for me to have the kids and stuff it's a different focus and that suits me like I'll do the school run all day long because yeah it just takes away the you know the running aspect of it 24-7 It's an out it's an out that's what all people need Anne-Marie thank you so much for taking that call please give your voice a rest as much as your legs and fair play to you for soldiering through that interview we're going to take another quick break Marie I think are we? Uh, we will in a sec. I just want to ask you though about Intergamine before we finish up um, at the weekend. Uh, I know a lot of the racing was cancelled, but and but Cork went ahead and Intergamine. 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 A lot of eyes on Intergamine um, at the weekend, but delivered again. He did deliver, and it was fair play to Cork Racecourse as well, to Andrew Hogan and all his team. They drove tractors through the night, Marie, with. Um, it looked like blowers on, on the on the PTO shafts blowing air across the track, both the hurdle and chase tracks to stop them from freezing. So like it was a, a huge effort to get racing on in Cork at the weekend. But as you said, Energamine did run in the bar one race in Hillyway Chase. Um look he, he was one to ten. He he had to do what he did, but he went and did it and, and he was impressive with the way he travelled, the way he jumped and um it was a good comeback run for him on soft ground. Like you know, and it was it was great to have racing on, so f- fair play to Cork Race Course. What about this weekend? This weekend's gonna struggle. Um in the UK, Ascot is due to race Friday and Saturday, it's unraceable. We have Fairy House on Saturday, Navin on Sunday, both are currently unraceable, although they are given a break in the weather on Saturday, I think. But like if the forecast gets down as low as they're forecasting tomorrow night, Wednesday night, when I get heard on the news before we come on there, minus five, minus mm-hmm. six. Ground frost can take take quite a bit of while to come back out. So a thaw will come. I hope it comes in time for for Christmas anyway. But look, Punchestown's meeting that was last last Sunday, the John Durkin Chase, that has been rescheduled for next Monday, Monday the nineteenth. So look, I think um, Gallop and the Champ, who was supposed to run in Punchestown last Sunday, is going to go there, and hopefully that would be the end of the cold weather um, in the run into Christmas. I know lots of people would love a white Christmas, but if you have any involvement in horses or livestock of any kind. The last thing you want is a white Christmas. <laughs> All right, good to know. Um, I think, though, if you're a parent of small children, you do want the white Christmas because they love it. I, I, I know, yeah. Unless you're a farmer's child and then you're out Christmas morning do. trying to figure out how you're going to feed <laughs> stock and keep you know, keep water running, keep everything moving, Marie. So, you know, I had mine out uh, shoveling out the Astros so they could go out and play football. They wouldn't pick up a sock in the house, but they'll go out and take a sweet brush to the, to the Astros <laughs> so they can play football. Um, Ruby, thank you so much. And you, Marie. That is all we have. Time for Betty De Silva is up next. RTE 2FM.